0: I challenge that! Oh. and Welcome to the Challenge Flag, where we call BS on fantasy football so-called experts. I'm Zachary Dorfman, joined by Michael Conti.
1: Hello. (laughs)
0: That gets me every time. Uh, And today, we are going to bring you everything you need to know about drafting running backs this year. Running back, one of the most pivotal positions on your team. This is going to be all about the position. We are going to go from the top of the draft all the way to the bottom, let you know how you can get... RB1s, RB2s very easily and maximize on trends that we've seen in last year's draft as well. Now, before we get into that, make sure you give us a follow at flag underscore challenge on Twitter. Go ahead, check out our Instagram at the challenge flag. Make sure that you go listen to us on Podbean at the challenge flag official. or if it's easier, just check us out on iTunes. Now, Getting into it, the way this is going to work today is that we have a list of all of the running backs drafted last year and what their ADP was and how they actually finished. So for example, if they finished as an RB1, as an RB2, or just outside both of those, we're not getting into threes and fours, just if they were in the top 12, top 24, and then everybody else's and then so on. Uh, We are also going to be looking at this year's ADP, and we're going to see if we can take a look at some similarities to try to maximize our draft and maybe look at some guys to avoid or some guys to definitely target. So uh, first things first that I think we need to say and get out there is that fantasy football players, you're not idiots. Congratulations. You are not stupid. Congratulations, you won. Congratulations, you won. Now, despite what people might say, yes, sure, there are so-called experts that get paid to do these rankings, but ADP is not based on an expert's rankings. ADP is based on what the common person drafts. And pretty much when looking at top running backs, ADP is pretty close to correct so if we look at last year's running backs nine of the top 11 running backs now I'm saying 11 normally I would say 12 but I'm excluding James Connor from this because where he was ADP wise it really just depended on when you drafted so I'm just completely excluding it so nine of the top 11 running backs were drafted in the first two rounds ADP wise so congratulations fantasy football community you've won uh, hey. You, you uh, so in those first two rounds you really don't need to think very much don't overthink it um, typically ADP wise it's correct however four RBs in the first two rounds that were drafted finished not, out, not just outside the RB1 or RB2 but further down that's Leonard Fournette Dalvin Cook, Devonta Freeman and Le'Veon Bell the only running back drafted in the first two rounds that was outside the RB1, uh, but not so far down to RB3 and further, so that finishes as an RB2, was Jordan Howard. So, Mike, let's take a look at this year's first two rounds ADP-wise. Who do you think is going to finish outside that RB1 territory that you might want to avoid?
1: So, I definitely don't see Todd Gurley finishing as an RB1, even though he was... Well, he would have been the number one RB last year if he hadn't gotten injured. But his decreased workload will definitely cut into his fantasy efficiency. And along with Todd Gurley, I'm skeptical about Damian Williams. They're, uh, I just think they have a, a plug-and-play running back offense where no matter who's going to be a running back is going to be successful. So if he goes down, they'll find a replacement for him real quick, and I don't think that'll be much of an issue. And then lastly, Nick Chubb. He's going to eventually be splitting work with Kareem Hunt, and that's just not going to help with his RB1 numbers.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, something that you mentioned to me, Mike, is that if we look at the four running backs that were outside RB1 and 2 territory last year, uh, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Devonta Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell, they were all injured or, in Bell's case, sat out. So uh, I think in those first two rounds, if we just assume you're drafting like one wide receiver, one running back, you need to get your top starting RB1. And so I think that you really touched on it with Todd Gurley, you know, even if he plays, if he's limited or just the fact that he is so injury prone. I don't want to touch it because I can't afford to draft that Leonard Fournette that gets injured every few weeks or that Dalvin Cook or Devonta Freeman just out for the year, not with my first uh, two rounds. So Todd Gurley's my pick there as well. I mean, I think what you mentioned with Williams and Chubb, I think they'll finish as RB2s, actually. Yeah.
1: Um, Another point with Damien Williams is that they acquired uh, Carlos Hyde last season, and Carlos Hyde was a fantasy. He was a, one of those guys where you could draft him in the, the sixth through eighth round in, in the past years. And he got you quality RB2. He might have gotten RB1 numbers one of those years. And he's going to be backing up Damian Williams. So he was a one-time um, starting running back, San Francisco 49ers. Great player. I find it very – Difficult to see Andy Reid not giving Carlos Hyde a chance, regardless how well Damian Williams is doing, whether it's just to give him a break for a down or two. Carlos Hyde will be explosive for the few plays that he gets at the start of the season. I can see them working to a backfield by committee at some point just because of the talent they have.
0: Which you don't want in your first uh, two-round like drafting uh, drafting a running back. I mean, yeah, I think that that's such like a good point. I think the the hype for Damian Williams to finish this in R B one is that he's a running back on Kansas City. I mean what's there not to love about that? But yeah, like you mentioned, they don't necessarily love Damian Williams. Like you know that in Carolina, you know, Christian McCaffrey's the guy, not just because Carolina's a good offense, it's because Christian McCaffrey is the key piece you know same thing with like uh, James Conner like Joe Mixon in Cincinnati that team sucks but Joe Mixon is the guy and so I think like when you look at Damian Williams like they don't I don't think that they feel this need that they have to give Damian Williams the ball and make him the focal point and I don't want although that although he was throughout. very
1: he was extremely successful last year he averaged like 22 points per game or something in Kareem Hunt's replacement
0: yeah, he he was. But even so,
1: like I said, with the Carlos Hyde there, I just don't granted Carlos Hyde was there last year. I just don't see them not using Hyde when Hyde has been proven on the field. Like yeah. you don't just have a guy sitting there doing nothing.
0: Um yeah, and you know, he, Carlos Hyde was once a RB9 in fantasy. So yeah, I mean, uh, I can see Damian Williams being one of uh, Look, these are all great running backs. I mean, they're in the first two rounds um for a reason. And they all have some sort of great opportunity, but I agree. I think, like you said, Todd Gurley, Damian Williams, and Nick Chubb are kind of on that fringe of if they finished outside RB one. I would not be very surprised. I mean, we didn't really touch on Nick Chubb very much, but you know, like you mentioned about Kareem Hunt coming back in. I mean, they paid him, so they're going to give him the ball. And I think there's so many mouths to feed in Cleveland. It's it's a good team. It's a good offense. And he's the starting running back and he's a good running back. So what's there not to love? I mean, I think that he either finishes above his ADP, could finish in like the high like top five area. Cause he's just got all the all the pieces there to be successful, or it's just, you know, it's just doesn't get as many opportunities. They become a passing team first. You know, Kareem Hunt comes back in and takes some work. I mean, if they're looking to get rid of Duke Johnson, you know, just gonna try to wear him out, put him in a a good amount before getting rid of them. I mean, uh, there's, it could kind of go either way. There's a way. lot to not like. Yeah. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to <laughs> not like. And yeah, I don't want to be skeptical in my first two rounds with like a starting running back. So yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm right we're there with you on those three. So like I mentioned that nine of the 11 running backs finished uh, in the first two rounds finishes in RB one. But what about those other two that were outside the first two rounds? You have to go, all the way down to the 8th round and ninth round of last year. So let's think about that, right? You know, you got your first two rounds, your guaranteed locks, and there isn't an RB1 until the 8th or ninth round. So that is Tariq Cohen, first pick of the 8th, and James White, fourth pick of the ninth round. Both PPR guys. So, you know, if it's a PPR league, not much surprise. So Mike and I are going to go look at, uh, we're going to say, the seventh round on just because three cones first pick of the eighth you know i think it's flirting around that seventh round so if we're gonna look at this year and we're gonna try to pick a guy seventh round on to finish as an rb1 let's replicate this from last year mike uh who do you think has the potential to do that
1: First things first, we are going to exclude the Chargers running backs and Justin Jackson and Austin Ekeler because we don't know what's going on with Melvin Gordon. These guys are completely irrelevant if Gordon signs and is there Week One. That's fair. So we're just gonna we're just gonna count those guys out. See, so yeah, my guy is going to be Darius Geis. Last year he was a third or fourth round ADP. Then of course he got the uh, season-ending injury before the season even started. So in my eyes, he has a year of NFL experience under his belt. So this is just his rookie season 2.0, a little bit more experience going into it, knows the offense a whole lot better. So I understand he's coming off an injury, but his skill set should still be there. Last year, he was highly valued. You know, the Redskins took him in the second round. He's a very highly skilled player. I know APs there might take a bit of his workload or Darius might be kind of – They might slowly work him in to start the season, maybe the first game, five to ten touches, and just gradually up those touches, splitting worth with AP until he eventually gets the job to himself. And I see that happening. And if that does happen, he could easily have RB1 numbers being a starting running back.
0: Yeah, and remember, everyone, this is, you know, guys with the potential to finish as an RB1, so we're not just trying to say, like, a guy who we like as, like, you know, RB2 or, like, a stash, like, so when you get down this late, you know, obviously for every player down here, there's going to be certain chips stacked against them, but I definitely like Geis as a guy who's, like, he's got the talent to be an RB1, was expected to be close to one last season before the ACL surgery, so, uh, Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He's got that potential. Some things to work through, like you said, with AP. Uh, You know, some other players to watch out for. But, you know, eventually the job could be his and he could just run away with it.
1: So last year, he was one of those running backs where if you were going zero RB, you were hoping to get him as your number one running back. And if you're hoping to get a guy as your number one running back, you're expecting RB1 numbers out of him. So like I said, you had these expectations last year. I could just see them carrying over into this season. he will have a bit of a blockage at the start off the season behind AP. But I see him working himself as at the uh, main workhorse in that offense.
0: Speaking of a guy who's going to be working behind another running back to start off the year, and actually I don't expect this to change, but uh, my pick for a guy late in the draft that is going to finish as an RB1 or could is Latavius Murray. Now, we know that the Saints love to limit Alvin Kamara, and I don't blame them. In the past few seasons, uh, no team has been better in terms of running back fantasy points than the Saints. They've done it multiple years with two running backs, still keeping Alvin Kamara's production high enough to take him As you know, you're solid RB1, but still feeding the backup like Mark Ingram enough to also be relevant. Remember, Mark Ingram was at, at, um, at a time in RB1 as well, even while playing behind Alvin Kamara. And Latavius Murray is no joke. If you remember, he was a starting running back in Oakland. He was pretty darn good. And uh, Latavius Murray, you can get him as the ninth pick of the seventh round. He's a guy who can easily get double-digit touchdowns. We know that the Saints like to cap off Kamara's touches to around the mid to late teens. So there's going to be plenty of work for Latavius Murray. And in that offense, he's going to be able to exploit that. I think he can definitely finish as an RB1.
1: Boom. I concur.
0: So now... So now let's look at uh, RB2s. Now, like we said, the community is pretty smart. We know where RB1s should go. For RB2s, it's not so clear. They're pretty spread out throughout the draft. So let me just give you like last year's RB2s and how they were spread out across the draft board. Jordan Howard in the second round. Ken and Drake in the third. Lamar Miller and Derrick Henry in the fourth. Nobody in the fifth. Chris Carson in the sixth. Tevin Coleman in the seventh. Adrian Peterson in the seventh. Marlon Mack in the eighth. Aaron Jones in the ninth. Nick Chubb in the eleventh.
1: And And then. Philip Lindsay and TJ Yeldon went undrafted, according to ADP. Although some people would have cuffed, may have cuffed Yeldon, but Lindsay was definitely the Alvin Kamara of last season.
0: Yeah, just the. when we're talking ADP wise, yeah, they went undrafted in certain leagues. If you're going for a handcuff, yeah, sure. They, then they would be guys that were drafted or picked up like off of waiver. So you can see that it's, it's pretty spread out across the draft. It's not that the RB twos are taken in that like third, fourth, fifth round. And then everybody else is later. It's kind of like, you got to find that diamond in the rough, which I feel like I've been saying that phrase, like every single podcast, at least like twice. Um, So what we're going to do to look at this year, because we can't just say, all right, Mike, what what guys do you think are going to finish as an RB2? Because this seems to be like totally all over. And if you look at the guys that we talk about, they're RB2s, not RB1s, because they're typically like one trick ponies. Again, that's something that you've mentioned a few times in the podcast. We're just using the same language. Um, So guys like Jordan Howard. Lamar Miller, Derrick Henry, you know, just the just the rushers. You got Tevin Coleman, you know, a guy who just catches passes. Adrian Peterson, just like a a one track mind in rushing. So we're gonna the way we're gonna do this is because it is so spread out, we can't just look at specific rounds. So we're gonna spread it out a little bit ourselves. So we're gonna go, we're gonna look at round four through seven and look at guys that we think um, are gonna finish as RB twos. And then round eight and on. So we're going to try to be looking for those guys that we know, um, you know, there's really low risk, but there's also a low ceiling. They're really capped out as an RB2. And guys, like we said, that, you know, kind of like Jordan Howard or Lamar Miller, Derek Henry are kind of like these one trick ponies. They're just solid at like one thing, but it's good enough to get it done. So Mike, who do you think in those rounds four through seven to start us off? Uh, you're pretty confident is finishing as an RB2.
1: That'd be Lamar Miller because he's Mr. RB2 every year. But if I'm looking for a guaranteed RB2 with some RB1 upside in rounds four through seven, I definitely think I'm going to have to go with James White. Last year, you know, he finished RB1. He was one of those guys that was drafted late and finished high. Um, I know he, he got some increased workload because of injuries to Rex and Jeremy Hill, and they'll be back healthy this year if they're all still on the roster, and they did also add another running back in the draft in Damian Harris, but I remember last year there was just a quote by Tom Brady saying that James White is his guy. If James White's on the field, they're doing big things, and if you guys watched the playoffs last year against the Chiefs, you saw that James White's on the field. He was getting the ball. He was getting first downs. I could see them keeping that production up between Tom Brady and James White, especially with Gronkowski out this year. He would be my go-to RB2 in rounds four through seven. And
0: just for the record, he's 12th pick of the fourth round currently, uh, ADP-wise. Yeah, nice. Um, Yeah, I... Yeah, I agree. I mean, Tom Brady's passing back, the tried-and-true and trusted. I mean, as Tom Brady gets older, he's going to keep going to his guys. And also, there's no Gronk, so uh, it's one less person to could <laughs> targets with. Uh, yeah, so for me, a guy that I see is, you know, the low-ceiling RB2, but I know what I'm getting. I'm not too worried about it, is Mark Ingram. Now, currently his ADP is ninth pick of the fourth round. I would love to see that fall a little bit more before I'm comfortable using that pick. Uh, However, I think that he's pretty solid for RB2 production just for the sake that he is on the team that rushes the ball more than any other team in the NFL. He's a tried and true and proven running back. Uh, He's a bowling ball. Uh, They're going to use him to wear down defenses. They're going to use him in the red zone. Absolutely. You know, he's a guy that for me could end up with double digit touchdowns just because I think he's definitely going to be the red zone and the 10 zone guy. And, you know, I know that people are worried that, you know, that backfield is pretty deep. And also with Lamar Jackson rushing the ball, how many rushes is he's going to get per game? But I just think that the Ravens are a rush first team and he is their number one run back and it is mark ingram i don't think you need to think about it too much i think his floor is pretty safe at rb2
1: yeah he's definitely the safe floor of an rb2 last year rb2 20 rb24 the lowest of the rb2s only averaged 11 points a game i definitely see mark ingram catching three to four balls a game so that's already three to four points and then he just needs 60 to 70 yards That's not counting the games he gets touchdowns. So I I see him very safe in the RB2 territory. All
0: right, now we're gonna move into that eighth round on. So again, keep in mind that we are looking for guys that we're not looking for that, you know, that boom potential RB1, but we are looking at just trying to see which guys out of these, you know, are you taking if you need like a safe running back to plug in. Uh, that you feel pretty confident that they could be an RB 2 So Mike, who do you think in here around the eighth rounds and on that you think is definitely a solid locked in running back to be an RB 2
1: I'm kind of torn between two people. I'm not sure if you're thinking of either of them with the last pick in the 10th round, that's Edo Smith with Tevin Coleman gone to San Francisco. He's going to be the Tevin Coleman of the Atlanta Falcons this season. Devontae Freeman, he's been shown to be injury prone the past two seasons. I mean, best case, not best case scenario. hope he doesn't get injured, but he could get injured and you could be the lucky owner of Ido Smith, who will then become the lead back of the Atlanta Falcons. Even if Devontae Freeman stays healthy, the Falcons in the past, they've been able to put up productive committees. I guess you call them committees with Coleman and Freeman. I know Shanahan's gone, but the Falcons are one of the most high powered offenses in the league. So I think Ido Smith. Uh, could definitely get some PPR work, you know, get Devontae Freeman some rest. He'll get his fair share of the workload and just have a productive year, RB2. Which, like I said before, for Mark Ingram, RB2 just means 10 points a game, which with a PPR back, that's really not that difficult of a thing to do. And that's what happened last year with those late round guys who became RB1s. They were PPR guys that just got those four to five catches a game and then whatever else they do with those yards or touches, I should say.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, you know, uh, I think it's, why not? I'd be pretty confident with a backup on a high-powered offense when the starting running back is injury-prone in a PPR league. I mean, I don't think that there's a problem with that at all. I'd be pretty confident that he's an RB2. Yeah,
1: last year, just to hit on last year, to toot my own horn, I drafted Yeldon and Latavius Murray because of Dalvin Cook's injury history and Leonard Fournette's injury history. Guess what, guys? They both hit, and I could definitely see this as one of those guys that's gonna hit. Like I said, he was the last round of the last pick of the tenth round. Usually, you're taking some flyers down here, but I, I have some confidence in Ido Smith getting work done this season. All
0: right, my guy. Uh, remember this gets a little bit harder the further you go down because we're trying to find guys that are pretty solid and there's some question marks around all of them but i would feel pretty confident with this guy as my rb2 or at least to finish as an rb2 and that is ronald jones last year real rough season did not live up to his expectations and it was Peyton Barber's backfield. I do not believe that they were impressed enough with Peyton Barber to make him the absolute lead back. You know, the the language out of camp is that it's really Peyton Barber's backfield to lose and that so far Ronald Jones has looked excellent so far. Uh, he is really impressing everyone and I think that they want to use Ronald Jones more than Peyton Barber. Like it's not that peyton barber's the guy until somebody proves else otherwise i think it's peyton barber's the guy until ronald jones shows okay we can trust you now right um something that i think is really interesting running backs that saw 60 percent of the teams carries inside of the 10 yard line last year so some of those guys are david johnson with 76 saquon with 75 joe mixon with 75 so these are like the the top running backs And they're the top for a reason, right? I mean, they're getting more than 60% of their team's rushes inside the 10-yard line. Peyton Barber is up there with 64% of his team's carries inside the 10-yard line uh, last year. Which, you know, to me, then why am I not going with Peyton Barber? Because I don't think it's going to be Peyton Barber this year. I think that's going to be Ronald Jones. And I want all of those inside the 10 statistics that... Peyton Barber had last year to just go right to Ronald Jones. I think he's improved enough uh, to give him an opportunity. I think that even if he starts off the year as the RB2, slowly but surely, especially if they start losing games, uh, they're going to make that switch. And I absolutely want it. I'm targeting him in a lot of leagues, especially uh, in leagues where if you know the people you're with and you know that they don't like Ronald Jones, you can get him even later, which right now he's ADP 12th pick of the eighth round. So I just think it's his job to win. And I think you can get a starting job running back that late in the draft. He could definitely finish as an RB2.
1: And I think it's funny that we we talk about that a few times, knowing the people in your league. If you know the people in your league, you can have a fantastic draft just on valuating players' values off their ADPs and what you actually think will happen and getting some real steals, league irrelevant to the topic but we always talk about that and i just i know my my one league i know how people draft and it's it helps a lot
0: (laughs) it it absolutely does um yeah i every year you know in every draft that i do it's totally different some drafts i you know well every draft i have adp in front of me just in case and i'll go into a draft of the first few rounds it's like guys are just kind of going directly based off of adp or you know like espn or yahoo's rankings and once you see that happen you know okay i know what's coming off the board next so how can i sneak in some uh some guys that i want like if you can predict what's coming up that's so that's so valuable so it's so important to kind of have the information in front of you and if you see guys going off of that just kind of exploit it and in the reverse is true too where you know you make your own rankings and decisions and so you know you can say okay I want this guy but ADP wise I can wait till later or uh-oh if they're just going off of ADP I better get him now you know the more information you have the better exactly Speaking of that, I'm absolutely drafting AJ Green. Just saying.
1: Bro, <laughs> you can get if he falls to your draft spot. Bro, you can get your absolutely drafting.
0: You him. can get AJ Green as the fifth pick of the fourth round. And he might only miss a few games of the season. That's a league winner.
1: Yeah, I thought Des Bryant was gonna be a league winner last year when the Saints signed him. We all know how that turned out. Yeah. <sighs> That's a good point.
0: So, like, that – okay, so essentially you could go like this. Like, your draft could be Devontae Adams and then Dalvin Cook and then, like, Marlon Mack or Carryon Johnson or, like, Stephon D- – or Devonta Freeman and then A.J. Yeah. Green. You can have, like, Devontae Adams, A.J. Green, and still two, like, good running backs. I don't know. I just think that you, you just essentially get two – Wide receiver ones, but injury risk. But at the same time, that's why you play fantasy football. You know, yeah. you, you're trying to win. You're trying to win. So take that, take that risk. You're trying to risk it for the biscuit. But enough about wide receivers. That's next time. Um, so listen, everyone. I I think that the big, uh, the big takeaway from this is in those early rounds, in terms of running back. Just you know, follow your gut. You know who is good. You know who is solid in those first two rounds. It's a can't miss. Don't get too cute with it. But make sure you avoid the injury-prone guys in those first two rounds. You need to have your, a solid first two rounds of guys that are going to take you throughout the whole season. And then make sure later you're looking at who you really think can repeat from last year. What running back ones do you think uh, you can get late? What one-trick ponies do you think uh, are going to finish as RB2s that you can get late? Don't get too cute. Do your research, find who you like, and target them in your draft. Now, next time we're going to be doing uh, the same thing with wide receivers. Wide receivers can even trickier so we're going to have to dive in a little bit more lucky for us running backs are pretty straightforward so you do not want to miss it because uh wide receivers uh there's going to be a lot of arguing between mike and i back and forth so uh it's going to be up to you to figure out who you believe more so tune in next time for that make sure that you follow us at on twitter again at flag underscore challenge go listen to us on podbean and at itunes as well mike give us your bold prediction
1: My bold prediction this week is that the San Francisco 49ers will be able to successfully duplicate the New Orleans Saints' um, success in having a two-headed dragon at running back with Tevin Coleman and Jet McKinnon. Their numbers may not be as high as Ingram and Camaras have been in the past two seasons, but I could see them both finishing as RB2s, maybe a nice 13 to 15 point per game average out of the both of them. But that is my bold prediction. Stay tuned through the regular season and see how it pans out. Why can't is this a tongue twister? Fellow challenge flaggers, my fellow challenge flaggers, my fellow flaggers a challenge. (laughs) What up, my fellow fantasy footballers? (laughs)